Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Kelly McCrimmon says Pete DeBoer was always a Robin Leonard fan. We'll get more into that after this. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. If you are looking to find us, we are at Lockdown BTK on Twitter and YouTube. At Tony Dasco on Twitter. For me, Chris Golick is TD Chris G. First of all, Chris. What was this conversation you had with Jonathan Marshall so yesterday and no sound for today's show? What's happening here? <laughs> so it wasn't a conversation yesterday. The, the <laughs> short the short version of that picture that I had tweeted out yesterday, uh, going back about three years ago, I'll give you two stories really fast. About three years ago, um, through Charity Series of Poker and a good buddy of mine, Matt Stout, uh, we hosted a charity poker event. Uh, my former employer, Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, um, Seven Five Brewing was a sponsor of it. So Ryan Reeves was there. Revo Bart- brought Marchesso. Marchesso has always been my daughter's favorite hockey player since day one, for whatever reason. So Marchie comes walking in. I exchange pleasantries with him, and I simply say, "Hey, kids, adore you. Just can you say hi to him really fast for me on the phone." He grabs my phone and just walks away after I connect him. And he's just in another room for like 10 or 12 minutes, just chatting away with him. Awesome. Uh, my kids were in karate at the time. So they were doing karate moves for him and the father and him kicked in. So that was a super cool thing. The second thing I'll give you now. That it we're wasn't here, throwback Thursday yesterday though. What are you doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, very fast while we're here. That was the night we had those those earthquakes the second of those back-to-back earthquakes a few years ago right Reeves was kind of sitting by himself after the second one hits I'm like dude what's going on man this is your party he's like oh I don't like earthquakes and he was kind of like all you know shaking up and stuff so tough guy Revo can handle a little ground shaking yeah and our guy uh, Ryan Reeves by the way is coming in for the battle for Vegas uh, coming up uh, between the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Raiders, as is Nate Schmidt. It was just announced this past week, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Get your tickets. That's on July the 18th. I'm working with that charity, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I wanted to get into it. Notice that little plug in there? Kind of just slid that in. Okay, so uh, Kelly McCrimmon, VTK's general manager, right, Chris, on the Cam and Strick podcast this week. Uh, no startling revelations, uh, really, uh, or no startling news, really, to uh, to report. The biggest headline that I pulled out of there would have to be that uh, Robin Leonard being a Pete DeBoer guy uh, didn't really talk about DeBoer blasting Leonard, um, blasting him and not knowing about injuries or did he know about the injuries to Leonard. And then, you know, the one thing that I did catch there from Kelly McCrimmon, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he talked about Robin Leonard having a shoulder surgery, which we knew about. The leg injury, is this the first time officially on the record that BGK has come clean about a leg injury earlier in the season for Robin Leonard? Probably. I mean, it was apparent just by the way when he went down, he had a hard time getting up. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably uh, 
you know, news that we all knew one way or another, but now it's finally confirmed. I mean, I guess it, it, it's awfully nice, I guess, when uh, McCrimmon or McPhee, they go on these podcasts and, you know, they, they give you a much more in-depth analysis of, you know, what happened. And it, it's hard to completely understand. And I guess I'll, I'll start by saying I the, the first few minutes of uh, the podcast, I enjoyed. I, I thought McCrimmon seemed very down to earth. And I think um, at the beginning and at the end of the podcast, when he wasn't necessarily talking VGK, I think he really just, you know, he seemed down to earth and likable and very easy going. But then the podcast did definitely take a turn in the middle when they talked about uh, bringing in new players, bringing in character players and the dynamic of the locker room changing. And I'll let you take me down a path, I'm sure, in a second as we get farther into this segment. Um, But one thing did kind of stand out to me. Um, McCrimmon alluded to the locker room changing and things like that and players coming, players going. Vegas going after the shiny new toy and everything. But the one interesting thing that I got in all of that was he immediately got defensive. And he said, well, listen, the Washington Capitals still have only eight players on their roster, and we have six players from our Stanley Cup contending roster still here. So there's not that big of a difference, you know, and I, I thought that was an interesting thing. Like, he was he was ready for that one and had that preloaded. Okay, so he talked about that first season. It's funny that you mentioned that because I caught this too. That first season, yes, they had – he really went in depth on season number one with VGK and how they got there and how they made it to the Cup final. And he just was going on and on. Um, but he also said – at that time, there was no entitlement and no hierarchy. So is he saying today there's entitlement and hierarchy and maybe that locker room is not as healthy, you know, as we might think it, it is? Uh, I was just curious about that. Uh, being cap compliant, okay, he said, hey, all the good teams are at the cap, okay? They're, it's a big part of building a major team and a contender. And, you know, he said that uh, he said, you know, we haven't not been able to manage the cap, which is not true, not true at all. And he he said again, he doubled down on his statement that he made at his presser here in Vegas about uh, the fact that he said that the cap of due to the cap, it kept VGK relevant this season uh, because, again, all those teams that are good, they are, uh, you know, having issues with the cap. But he, he also said it never kept anyone off the ice. And I don't know that that's true either. I don't, but he did seem s- semi-normal there. You know, the eyebrows, from what I could tell, were not twitching uh, <laughs> when he first started, talking about, you know, fantasy football. And he kind of seemed like a normal person, not like this robot that the VGK fans and media are used to seeing here. I agree 100% there, and a lot of good points I want to hit on. Yeah, number one, I again, he came across as likable in, in it. And, you know, I think that's a problem in a sense because in McPhee, you, you've mentioned how McPhee prefers to talk to the Canadian media, not necessarily our local people as well. And, you know, that's part of, I mean, as sports fans, we want to like the players. We want to like the management. We want to like the ownership. And the moment you feel that, that disconnection or that lack of trust in what's being said. I mean, we're never going to get the whole, the whole shebang, the whole story. And, and that's fine, but you know, at at least don't make me cringe and want to throw things every time you take the microphone. And that's kind of a, 
what I get when a McCrimmon goes, but back to the character and stuff like that. So he mentioned the people that were brought in after season number one, Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, um, Alec Martinez, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, went on to hit a lot about Jack Eichel and his character even and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Something else interesting and kind of talking about the cap and everything. I did, I did laugh when he said we've never not been able to play a player based on the cap and stuff like that. That's, that's garbage. Let's just start with Colorado <laughs> dressing uh, 15 skaters in the most yeah. important regular season game a couple years ago. Moving on from that. Um, <clears throat> pardon me here. A little cough this morning. Uh, moving on from that. He was very quick to go back to season one and clarify his unsustainability comments. And I found this somewhat interesting. Um, his comment basically was, all these players had career years, starting with Carlson from six to 40 plus goals. Okay, six fine. To 43. That's he went from six to 43. If, if that's not a flash in the stinking pan. Exactly. And, you know, had McCrimmon come out when he made that first comment during locker cleanout day about unsustainability and simply said, listen, career years, we can't count on this happening again. We hope it does, but we don't necessarily like if you go, just, just give me one more peel of the onion, just go one more layer deep and, and help me understand a comment like that. At least I'll, I'll buy, buy into it just a little bit more. I did not want to buy into it at locker cleanout day because why, you know, what do you mean unsustainable? They went to the Stanley cup and now I'm mad and throwing things back here, but then you give me that extra layer Okay, fine. Now I understand what you're saying. And that's why now we've started bringing some of these other players. And okay, fine. I get that. VGK got lucky season one. We got lucky. Tell me that. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And uh, I thought that it took a little bit of a shift and turn when they started to talk about the Evgeny Dodonov trade, the trade that wasn't. And pretty much McCrimmon stopped in his tracks and said that he couldn't say more, which I found I found that to be a little bit peculiar. Uh, yeah, you don't want to blast Ottawa and everything that went on and miscommunication and all of that. Uh, he did talk a little bit about the resiliency of Donoff still playing, right? Came back and still played very well for the VGK. I thought that that was pretty interesting. And then he also said that it was inaccurate that this team goes after the shiny new toy. And I just love that term. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a local perspective. It's uh, it's worldwide now, and VGK does go after the shiny toy. VGK is going to be a cap team. VGK is going to go after what they feel they need to become competitive. And you know what? So what? We go after the shiny new toy. Like, you know, we should be happy that we're not Arizona or other teams that cannot afford to do that. And you know what? If that's uh, if that's who you are, who you are. You are who you are. That's what Vegas is. And embrace it. Like, embrace it. If if that makes us, you know, the villains out there as far as the rest of the NHL is concerned, fine. I'll take that. We can be the villains. Vegas can play the villain role just fine. If uh, success, early success in a, you know, after a team's birth is what's going to make them the villain and the things that VGK needs to do to continue to put a Stanley Cup competing team out there makes us the villain, Fine. Let's play the role. Let, let's let's embrace it and let's enjoy it. Are you saying Kelly McCrimmon is like Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide? This is now a worldwide message. <laughs> VGK and, Worldwide. There you go. <laughs> see, there, there, there's, a, there's some branding for you. 
Okay, and then Jack Eichel. Uh, again, we feel and have felt that the success of Kelly McCrimmon will only be if Eichel is successful. Well, that's at least how I feel. Uh, as Eichel goes, McCrimmon gets to keep his job. I really do feel very strongly about that. And he talked about Eichel yesterday, and he said that they are so mindful of the locker room with Eichel coming in and all these other players and all of those dynamics. And it truly is a success story, though, when you think about Eichel. And I didn't know that on the day of his surgery, McCrimmon had stated uh, in this interview, uh, he had his surgery and then went to dinner with his parents that same night. This was really well-researched by Jack Eichel and the medical staff and the medical team. It's, it really is a miracle that he made it back on the ice as quickly as he did. I think that gives you um, some more in-depth analysis to the poop show that the Buffalo Sabres are and uh, their handling or the way they wanted to handle that situation. Um, yes, back to what you said about Eichel and the correlation to McCrimmon. That's a signature move right there. That is the signature moment that Kelly McCrimmon and McPhee, we, you can put it together because they did. he did mention how close George and uh, himself work together on a daily basis. Bill Foley's office is right there. They cannot call him Mr. Foley. They have to call him Bill. Bill is there in, you know, in jeans most days and stuff like that. Just little things that I took away from it. But, yes, uh, acquiring Jack Eichel was the signature moment, the signature move, that Kelly McCrimmon, I'd say Kelly McCrimmon singular because he is the general manager of this team, not not McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, that is the signature move that he made. And I think the success of McCrimmon, if we are going to say if he did a good job or a bad job, whenever he leaves, whether it's next year, three years or five years from now, ties to Jack Eichel's success. And, and you know, I will say, I'll go a step farther. We, we, we've talked about McCrimmon being on the hot seats, may not make it to December if the team doesn't do well. He did not come across as someone that has a lot of pressure right now in that podcast. And, you know, there's always pressure in those levels. I, I get that. That's as high as a visibility role as you can get. You know, being a general manager for one of the only 32 NHL franchises in the world. And he did not come across as someone uncomfortable. And same thing with McPhee when he did his podcast about a month and a half ago. These are two people comfortable in their skin right now. They're comfortable in their job. And you know, maybe they have no reason to worry. I think Bill Foley is buying into the plan right now. And there's a new plan now that we have a new coach. And there's going to be some new players coming in and some shifting happening probably in the next week or two as uh, the draft concludes this week as free agency starts up soon. And, you know, let's see what happens. We're really going to get to see what the plan is very, very shortly. And whatever it is, um, Bill Foley's on board. And McPhee... McCrimmon are comfortable in their jobs right now. And I guess that's a good thing, you know, as we come into hopefully what's not going to be a turbulent season six. And I also took from the interview that perhaps McCrimmon has, he's got to have a Twitter handle, right? I mean, he's hiding. He's, he's out there just checking out everything that goes on on Twitter. Of course, no, there's, <laughs> there, there's no doubt that they have social media visibility and you can tell by the things that he said. Just one other thing I do want to hit on really fast here, not necessarily completely related to what we've been talking about, but as a fan, there was just one comment that got me. So they did make the comment that every game at T-Mobile preseason uh, included has been sold out since season number one. Mm -hmm. Awesome. They mentioned the season ticket base. Awesome. They mentioned that they capped their season tickets so they yeah. have the availability to 
sell tickets. Let's read between the lines here. I buy season tickets. I get my tickets cheaper than the American public. And so does everybody else. Earlier you got on the better, but even if you buy season tickets right now, most likely most of your games are going to be less than what the public pays. I don't necessarily understand that because VGK has this platform being access where if I'm a season ticket holder and I'm not going to a game by contract, I am only allowed, unless I give them away to a friend, I am only allowed to move my tickets on access, which obviously VGK gets a very nice piece of. And I have no problem with that. But it's almost like you're double dipping now when you're capping off your locals who want to go to these games and invest in the team and spend money. You also take money when we sell and flip our tickets, if you will, call it what it is at times when we flip our tickets. And now you're telling me you're going to hold some tickets back so the public has access. I'm sorry, but the public has the same access to tickets no matter what. If a season ticket holder isn't going to go, they're going to list their tickets on on access, most of which like they're supposed to. VGK gets their money and, you know, we move on. So that was the one thing I didn't like hearing in in the pot. Well, there's a few things, but from a business perspective and a fan perspective, I did not like that. And I felt last season that they were kind of reaching to try to get fans. Remember, uh, even on the secondary market, a lot of games, uh, the tickets went for cheap. And Mm -hmm. I felt that VGK was not selling tickets. It might have backfired a little bit for them this past season, right, if they did cap it. And then I was just curious about the number of season tickets that they capped it at. So is it 16.5? Is it 17,000? I was just really curious. And he just kind of slid that in there. And that's something we'll have to keep an eye on and see if we can do one of those investigative reports. Coming up next, does VGK have seven 20-goal scorers? And on the current roster, do they also have three 30-point defensemen? We'll dig into that after this. You're listening to Lockdown Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs, all your sports information. You could find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL draft odds they have up there now, Major League Baseball, much, much more. And you can check it out again at betonline.net, your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, all of your podcasts, and all of your news this season. Betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA. They've got boxing, and they even have golf. Head to the website today. Golf is gaining popularity with sports bears. Head to the website today and use your mobile uh, device, and you can learn more about the trends and action. Get to it today, betonline.net. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. Thanks for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. The NHL draft right around the corner. It comes up tomorrow. We'll dig into that as well on tomorrow's show. And our team of local hosts and draft experts, they're breaking it down with all the insights and analysis for every first-round pick. So subscribe today at Lockdown Golden Knights for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL draft, plus much, much more. And so, Chris, uh, I wanted to dig into this a little bit. Yesterday, we were talking about John Stevens, the new assistant coach for the VGK. And uh, the fact that his 0708 Flyers had 720 uh, 20 goal scores, 
and three defensemen that had 30 points or more. And uh, one of our listeners actually asked us via Twitter at Lockdown VGK uh, was asking if VGK uh, on its current roster more or less has seven 20 goal scores. We could dig into that. Yesterday, I just, you know, off the cuff said, yeah, we had three defensemen that had 30 points or more. Actually, it was two. It was two. It was uh, Shea Theodore with 52 and uh, Petro had 44. Zach Whitecloud uh, checked in uh, with 19. But does this current roster, and I went through it as well, have seven 20 goal scores on it with this current roster as is? I 100% think so. Uh, let's lock in six right now. Okay. March or so, 30 yes. goals last year. Stevenson, 21, yes. uh, going deeper. Riley Smith, 56 games played, 16 goals. Pacioretty, 39 games played, 19 goals. So that's four so far. Uh, and then let's go down. Stone, 37 games, nine goals. He's getting 20 goals or more, no questions asked. And obviously Jack Eichel is getting 20 goals, no questions asked. That's six right there. I'll lock in, no questions asked. So now you need one of the following few players to get there. Let's start with Shea Theodore. Defenseman, the way he plays, he's going to be swinging. He can score 25 goals as easily as he's, he can score 11 goals. I think that's just a high level of variance being a defenseman like Shea Theodore and the amount of goals he's going to get. So let's give him a maybe. Let's go down a little bit farther. Nicholas Wass, 78 games played, 15 goals. Depending on how things happen, he easily can get there, assuming he comes back next season. Obviously, you have to mention William Carlson as being a possibility just based on his pedigree. 67 games played, 12 goals last year. Um, even if Yanmark comes back next year, uh, he had nine goals in 67 games. He's going to be swingy based on where he is on the roster. Two very interesting players, and this is where maybe we don't give McCrimmon enough credit, but look at Brett Howden's season. 47 games, nine goals. Who even had Brett Howden on their ra- radar to do anything when this deal was made? And then another one, Michael Amadio, you know, dumpster diving, if you will, early in the season to get Mike- Michael Amadio, 53 games played, 11 goals. So you're telling me that you need one of those last five or six players to pop. And that's also assuming our top six that we're locking in get there. Um, injuries pending, the top six that I mentioned get there, no questions asked. If you need one of those five players to get there that I mentioned, I think you're there as well. Uh, to address the listener's question about three defensemen getting 30 or greater points, you can lock that in all day, pending injuries, of course. Shea Theodore, Petrangelo, and I'll take Zach Whitecloud to get there okay. next, this next season, just given um, Bruce Cassidy's system and how the defensemen get a little bit more involved. Uh, Zach Whitecloud, extremely smart player, plus 21 in 59 games played. Plus 21, I believe, was greater than BGK's plus-minus goal ratio. And he had 19 points in 59 games played. I would say uh, Zach Whitecloud is very, you know, 28 to 35 points, no questions asked, most likely 30. Okay, what about Alec Martinez? I feel like within this uh, Cassidy system, Cassidy has a lot of confidence in him. Of course, if he doesn't get traded on draft day. No, I, I like Alec Martinez a lot to potentially get up there with his points. Um, his last few seasons, though, I just don't know if that's necessarily, you know, his style of play. Um, he's going to score goals every now and then. He's going to get uh, points on the power play and stuff like that. He's going to, you know, just be around the puck and things like that. Looking back at his last seasons, he's hit the 30 or more points uh, threshold 
16-17 with the Kings. He got 39 points, but was also a minus 17 in that season. Yikes. Um, 25 points the season after that. He got 32 points in 53 games with VGK uh, 2021. So that's certainly, I mean, it's obtainable, but, you know, twice in his, you know, 13-year career it's happened. I would bet against it, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have a tremendously impactful season, starting with just his warrior mentality and blocking 14 shots a game, it seems like. Okay, so we have Marshall Stevenson, Pacioretty, Eichel, Riley Smith, Mark Stone, and my seventh 20-goal scorer would have to be Nick Waugh. I think Nick Waugh's got huge upside. And a guy that they uh, put in, plug and play the entire season, if he gets on a uh, line where he's comfortable, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he's got huge upside. But are you concerned at all, Chris, about players who come off of a career season? I only ask you that again. Uh, when I heard Kelly McCrimmon talking and about William Carlson going from six to 43 goals and feeling that it wasn't sustainable for them to uh, to continue to play in that manner, uh, it made a little bit of sense, uh, first and foremost. Uh, but also, again, you know, like, is that just a flash in the pan season? And I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, some players. What about Chandler Stevenson? There's one guy who has a breakout season this last year. And can he sustain it? I, 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 I'm starting to think a little bit more about being concerned about players that come off of career seasons. It's certainly extremely fair. Um, you know, you look at Stevenson's previous season in, in the bubble season, or not the bubble, but the shortened season with the divisions and such, 51 games played, 35 goals. So he, or 35 points, pardon me. So he's been on this pace for his last two seasons. Now he's had two career years. Just the previous year looks a little strange because it being a shortened season. Uh, going back to William Carlson, let's take out the 40 goal season. He goes from six points with or six goals with Columbus. The season after his 40 goal season, he gets 24 goals, then 15, uh, then 14, but that was in a shortened season and 12 in 67 games. So he's basically doing 400% of what he's been doing since he left Columbus. And then he, obviously we had that, uh, you know, player comes to mind was Brady Anderson hitting 50 home runs as a leadoff hitter for the Orioles back in the day. Um, But, you know, so Carlson's doing fine. If you're comparing to what he did in Columbus, the problem is he is getting paid based off of that flash in the pan season, VGK was really hoping we had a consistent 30 goal scorer. And at the moment we don't. And, you know, Stevenson can possibly take a step backwards because you just have a leadership change. Maybe uh, he's not going to gel as well with, um, with Cassidy and he's going to go the DeBrusque route and demand a trade in the off season. I hope that never happens, obviously, but you certainly hope someone like William Carlson, who has not done well in the DeBoer era, can go back to, you know, a hybrid version of the Gallant era. Maybe it's not, you know, 30, 35, 40 goals, but maybe it's 25 goals and that many assists. And, you know, he really rejuvenates whoever his line mates are. Okay, so you just uh, leave me on another trail here. Uh, so we talked about DeBrusque. We talked about him in Boston not getting along with Bruce Cassidy. Who might be the first suspect on this VGK roster that might ask for a trade after getting into it with Bruce Cassidy. Who would be the first one to ask for a trade? I'm thinking 
I'm thinking someone strong-willed and trying to think of Eichel? someone maybe who what's that? Jack Jack Eichel. <laughs> I, I I think him what and his Eichel and Cassidy gonna, don't get Eichel wants to keep his head down. I'm I'm on the Eichel train. I think Eichel's gonna keep Me his too. head down and do <laughs> do as well as he can. Um someone like March or so they, just came to mind and along? I don't know what if they why. Don't you know, I, I honestly don't know why, just because of you know, he is strong-willed and stuff like that. Uh, maybe he's mad about some things that have happened. Um, Pacioretty, I think, would be actually my first candidate, just because Pacioretty was very vocally supportive of DeBoer in his locker clean-out interviews. He was very supportive, felt he took this, his game to another level, and I felt like he was campaigning for him a bit uh, during his locker clean-out interview. Um, Pacioretty is outspoken. Pacioretty is brutally honest at times. And if things don't go well, if Pacioretty does struggle, I could possibly see him going a bit rogue. And I don't think he publicly comes out. I think Pacioretty is a professional that will not put himself or his team in that spot. But I could see Pacioretty quietly um, being upset and maybe saying, okay, fine, you want, we were talking about trading me, get me out of here, let's go. Coming up next, Mike Greer is the new general manager in San Jose. He's the first black GM in the National Hockey League in its more than 100-year history. What took so long? We'll address this after these messages. You're listening to Lockdown Golden Knights. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And I'm really upset that that was not a live March or so hit yesterday. That was a throwback. And, uh, okay, so, Chris, uh, Mike Greer, first black GM in the NHL in its 100-year-plus history, um, new GM with the San Jose Sharks, more than qualified, player in the league, 1996 to 2011. And, uh, you know, I, I just liked what Jonathan uh, Beecher said, or Becker, whatever, however you pronounce it, the uh, president of San Jose, uh, saying that uh, that Greer was the best man for the job, period. And, uh, I mean, the guy that paid his dues. He was a scout. Um, he was in the Chicago organization, an assistant coach on the bench with the Devils, uh, front office with the Rangers. And I think he's going to now hire his own coach. And, again, this uh, could be the revival of because he's a good, you know, hockey guy. Uh, I don't know what took the NHL so long to come out of a shell. Uh, and you, his family, uh, again, you always talk about pedigree here, but his brother, Chris Greer, is the Miami Dolphins general manager. His dad, Bobby, uh, was in the front office with the Patriots and the Texans. And it looks as though San Jose could be on the right track. Now they just need a good head coach, of course, and some better players on the ice. No doubt. And congrats to Mike Greer and, and, and Mike Greer, and not just on his position, but what the family has achieved. That's certainly, um, you know, like like uh, you said, I, I love talking about pedigree and history and things like that. And, you know, congrats to Mike Greer for breaking down barriers and just helping uh, professional sports as a whole take many, many steps forward. Um, you know, you look at what just happened, uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds, uh, Jessica Campbell, first female assistant coach. Um, in AHL history. They're, of course, the affiliate with the Seattle Kraken. So amazing things are happening in sports and, you know, more inclusion. Everyone should have an opportunity to achieve any level of position 
just nothing else should matter after that. Every person should have an opportunity and that's it. And yes, Mike Greer was the best person for the job in San Jose based on what the ownership said. Um, I just hope he's getting into a good situation over there. It was very strange how there was no general manager in place for a long time. The head coaches were kind of left hanging for 60 days. They get let go just last week and in comes Mike Greer. So maybe they just want to give Mike Greer a blank slate to, you know, start fresh as far as, you know, roster composition, coaching composition, and things like that. Um, I just hope the level of communication is there and Mike Greer is set up to success um, in his run as general manager. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that they're playing the cards the right way in that uh, they're going to let Mike Greer hire his own coaching staff now. So that's really good. Again, it's his to build, uh, to build his team. And he just seemed uh, like he was very inspired and, excited about the position and I don't know um, you know there's no Rooney rule in the NHL and so they never seem to or appear to interview even for these high-ranking positions minorities do they I think it's time for a Rooney rule of sorts not that the NFL adheres to it but I think it's time for them to snap out of things and to hire more minorities for these positions Hockey's for everyone, isn't it? Is it uh, one other slogan? No, a hundred percent. And you know, I want to be—I want to make sure I tread very cautiously here. The, the Rooney will Rooney rule, pardon me, is something that I understand what the rule is trying to achieve. But you know, how comfortable are these interviews that take place if someone is being interviewed just so? a box can be checked. And I, that's, I think, the, the most cautious way I can approach this here. Yeah, just be and honest, how many of these blunt. interviews happen where it's simply ownership, checking a box saying, okay, we've done this. Now we can turn this checklist into the league as we announce our new hire. And, and that's something that I don't necessarily understand. So I can see why you have a rule like that. I can see why you don't have a rule like that. I mean, us, you know, like they said, Mike Greer is the best person for the job. That's it. Mike Greer is the best person for the job. And that's the part that matters to me, not the fact that a checkbox was made when they interviewed somebody for a job. That's just from afar. I know there's many more layers. I'm sure we can go into this. Um, I'm not going to, but it's just something that I completely don't understand as a fan of the games. Yeah. And, and to me, it's just some new blood in this hockey world in the NHL because all these coaches that are being hired are all retreats. And it's time to uh, have some new blood, I think, around the National Hockey League. No doubt, 100%. And whether it's general managers, coaching, and stuff like that, um, you know, you just kind of shifting gears a little bit. You look at the Paul Maurice hire down in Florida. I get Paul Maurice has all this experience and things like that. And he's had a good, you know, a good run uh, in the NHL. Is Paul Maurice going to be the person to take the Florida Panthers to the next level? Is he an upgrade over Andrew Burnett, an interim coach who has done this before? Sure. Is he going to take that team to a Stanley Cup and ultimately win a Stanley Cup final in you know what's becoming just an absolute stacked division in Eastern Conference? I, there's nothing to suggest that's going to happen. He didn't do it with Winnipeg. They had some pretty good rosters in there. Um, you look at a lot of the, like you said, a lot of the retreads out there, uh, Bruce Boudreaux is the first one that comes to mind. Um, you know, being with Vancouver now his history with Minnesota and being around the league and such like that. 
but what is you know Boudreaux, Boudreaux accomplished in in recent history and stuff like that? So you, know, you look at Montgomery getting the job up in Detroit, I believe, if I got that right, and some of these AHL coaches getting that opportunity or NHL assistance to finally lead, and that's what Cassidy is, right? I mean, yes, Cassidy is a retread. I get that. You know, everyone's almost a retread nowadays. But Cassidy also proved himself recently at the AHL level, had all his success at the NHL level, and someone like Cassidy is ready to get a team to the next level, and I certainly hope it's the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, you say Jim Montgomery's the head coach who took Cassidy's place in Boston. Not oh, in okay, so yeah, yeah. forgive me, who, who got hired in Detroit? Then uh, That's where I got mixed yeah, up. Yeah, I forgot who that was. That was that's the Tampa right. assistant, correct? Uh, perhaps. Okay, fair I, enough. I, I lost, I'm, on I the lost same, I'm on the same uh, – same wavelength as you right now. I get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, uh, so tomorrow's draft day, right? And if you're VGK, uh, I think they draft in the second round because they had to give up that first round pick to Buffalo in the Eichel trade uh, in that deal. Um, you got to get a score, right? First and foremost, like somebody that can score. I would think in the second round, I don't know if we'll get a steal or what have you, but that's where their, uh, their drafting uh, begins. And one other thing we can address tomorrow, I'm just going through all the preseason schedules from the other teams. Uh, and that's where I'm kind of compiling this VGK preseason schedule. They don't have a schedule out yet. All the other teams. I think do it just here. came. I think I just saw it leaked this morning on Twitter somewhere. Okay. Like, like there are two home games scheduled one game, I believe up in Salt Lake. What is and this? They're going to announce one. Squad. This isn't baseball. They have a split squad game against the avalanche. We could get that. <laughs> That's fair. I don't know how often that happens. I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to talk about. But on, on draft day, second round, they have to go for a score. Do you believe the same? I think so. I mean, you're going to go for the best player available because I don't think you're going to get someone to address a now situation that's going to make a jump to the NHL as early as this or even next season, depending on how things go. I think you're looking at just simply the best player with the highest upside uh, forward defenseman, probably not goaltender, but definitely forward defenseman uh, with upside. All right. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. This is how we plan out our shows now, just live on the air. <laughs> I like it. Live to I take like it. day. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. Have a great day. We'll be back again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.